0: Welcome to Headliner, the podcast, with your hosts Stephen Heckbert and Philip Gaudreau. This week, Phil and Stephen present part one of their conversation about guerrilla marketing. You can tune in next week for part two. Headliner, of the podcast. Phil Gaudreau, Stephen Heckbert, and we're talking about one of my favorite subjects this week. Gorilla PR. Uh, No, not PR PR for uh, Gorilla Glue, the uh, manufacturer that was in the headlines earlier this year, but uh, using PR to your advantage um, in unexpected creative sort of ways where you don't have a big budget uh, and you're looking to either fight back or, or make some momentum on a particular topic. Ah, uh, Stephen. Any uh, guerrilla PR campaigns that uh, you were a part of, or that come to mind for you, that might illustrate our point about?
1: Uh, I was a part of a couple, and and the funny part is, Phil, is that there's there's two parts to this that I think it's it's going to be important for us to talk about as we go through each example too. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna preface this with with some points. A lot of people think the idea of guerrilla PR is about just taking advantage of the moment in time when you can take advantage of it. And much as we talk about planning a lot in the podcast and we talk about planning in the book, uh, you actually can plan to be ready for your moment, should your moment come. And This is the kind of thing where if you've planned for it, it will be so much more successful than if you're just trying to take advantage of the moment uh, off the top of your head. In fact, I would tell you that one of the key early social media campaigns, Kony 2012, which we end up talking about in class or we end up talking about as a social media example of something gone wrong, if they had planned for the virality of that video, if they'd planned properly for what can they do with that information should it catch fire. I actually think that could have been quite a successful campaign in terms of raising awareness around some issues related to ongoing conflict in sub-Saharan Africa. But because they didn't really plan to be part of that moment, uh, it ended up going incredibly south. So so the first step is, is don't view that as something that will happen to you. You have to be ready for it to happen to you if you're in the moment. The second key part around guerrilla PR is don't wait for perfection. And so the planning is one thing. But the second part of it is no thing ever comes to you. It's a 100% fit. It's 100% perfect for you. You have to be ready to step in and get engaged, even if it's slightly off topic, even if it slightly sort of changes the narrative a little bit. Because listen, it, you're, you're trying to sort of take advantage of of the moment in time. Uh, And so just be prepared uh, that the moment in time often comes dressed in overalls and it looks like hard work. So you may have to adjust a little bit of what you would have normally said uh, to take advantage of it. So one of the, one of the examples I would use right now uh, is a little company in New Brunswick actually called me up. They were sending free samples of their product, which is a, a beard oil product and, and products for beards. Uh, and they ended up sending these products to NHL players with beards during the pandemic. And they were quite uh, like they actually picked one player per team who got sort of a, a bigger package than other players. It was the player on that team with the best beard. So I think they sent it to Joe Thornton uh, on the Maple Leafs. I think they sent it to Zach Bogosian on the Canadians. So they they picked one player, and then that player would invariably tweet out or or share on Instagram about this great package that they'd uh, you know, gotten from... From this company, and I thought that was pretty smart. I mean, that's uh, there's uh, they didn't have a budget to uh, engage with these athletes in a more formal way, uh, so they sent them about ninety to a hundred dollars worth of product, uh, and hope that they would uh, nicely packaged and hopes that hope that they would get that kind of uh, Instagram share or that kind of follow. And there are two reasons that I thought w- where this was particularly effective is that a Beards and hockey have a very good relationship because of the playoff beard, because of people talking about uh, beards, uh, you know during COVID. So there's so many there were a lot of relations between those things. So they're, like beards are having their moment. They make a product for beard. So they were, they're having their moment at the same time. And I thought they're, they're, the niche that they decided to pick was very good. And so then once they started getting media calls about being a small company in Atlanta, Canada, engaging this way with NHL players, I thought they were ready. And I thought that was a very good example of what can work uh, for guerrilla marketing when you're the small folks uh, who don't have the kind of budget like, like, they'd never be able to afford a sponsorship deal with a, with an NHL player. They'd never be able to afford to have an NHL player as their campaign spokesperson, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sending them product and asking them, uh, they didn't even ask them for anything. They just sent it to them, and they said, uh, you know, you guys have a, you have a beautiful beard. We think this can help. Uh, and they ended up getting some success at getting people to sort of thank them on on social media for their product. And I and I thought that was good. I thought that was the kind of example of the kind of guerrilla marketing that you know the NHLs come back, beards are having their moment. We make a product for beards and the NHL, and they sort of created their moment. And I thought that was kind of an example of a guerrilla PR campaign that they planned well and then executed pretty well.
0: It kind of reminds me of one I saw either last year, or the year before, uh, Wealth Simple, which is a robo-investing app um, in Toronto um, knew that they maybe they could have afforded a, a stadium naming deal, but that it wouldn't have made financial sense. Of course, their financial app. So they made their own mini stadium and parked it outside Air Canada Centre or whatever, Scotiabank Centre, I guess they're calling it these days, um, in downtown Toronto. And they made a video about it and, and got a bunch of sort of uh, digital uh, coverage that way. Yep. Um, I'm actually uh, advising a client uh, when you talk about these sort of David versus Goliath kind of problems uh, that is launching an e-commerce site. And so we're talking about how we're going to, you know, be, because this, this is meant to be a platform for small businesses, kind of like a virtual marketplace. So obviously the biggest competitors there are going to be Amazon, Walmart, Costco, you name it. Um, why, why are you going to shop local? Why are you going to come to this platform instead of going to the big guys? And so we're planning out a few different tactics such as, going into a Walmart and buying up all the apples and uh, doing a little video pretending to ship them back to whatever countries they came from and say, um, buy local, buy Canadian apples, visit our website kind of thing. Um, Or uh, doing taste test comparisons in the parking lot. Oh, you just bought this uh, cheapo Walmart pie. Well, why don't you try this pie that was made fresh locally, just up the street kind of thing. Almost like the uh, Pepsi taste challenge for those who remember from the uh, 90s, early 2000s. So we're just planning out little ways that we can kind of reemphasize their reputation, their um, identity as the small fish, as uh, the local uh, trying to punch up against the big guys, uh, which we think will help them uh, gain a bit of a following among those, uh, the the exact people we're trying to reach.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, uh, I think that's another great example. The, uh, the, the first, one of the first things I ever did in public relations actually as a consultant was sort of this guerrilla campaign. We had a, uh, there was a major, annual technology conference. Uh, And uh, the company we were working for wasn't going to be able to afford to be a sponsor of the conference. They weren't going to be able to have a big booth at the conference. They weren't going to be able to get a speaking spot at the conference. All those things spoken for, and frankly, expensive, too expensive for this small company in St. John, New Brunswick. So we actually created an entire campaign where about three days before the conference started, we launched a policy paper on one of the key conference topics. And we launched that policy paper uh, to every conference attendee. We had, as an attendee of the conference, we'd gotten the delegate list. Uh, And so we launched the policy paper to all of the attendees at the conference. Uh, We got some media hits about our policy paper. Uh, And so people were talking about our point of view, uh, the client's point of view on this policy paper and that policy paper, while not part of the formal conference agenda in any planned way, ended up having a fairly impactful um, role to play in the conference. And it, and it was It was one of those times where I know if I had been the conference organizer or if I had been a major sponsor of the conference, uh, I'd have been super annoyed. But because we were from little St. John, New Brunswick, and we didn't, like, we got to claim we didn't really know any better, and, uh, (laughs) you know, oh my God, we. No. Oh, you is blown, Stephen. Yeah, right. We just, we just didn't know. Oh, my God, we're so sorry, right? Like, we thought it was okay to do that. And, oh, my God, <laughs> we feel terrible about it. But it worked out great. And our client was super happy. And so, um, like, too bad. From our perspective, it's the kind of thing where your size, sometimes your nimbleness, as we say, uh, can be a huge advantage. Because you get to sound like this is, you also have many fewer approval layers. You have many fewer challenges internally about, can we try this? Of course we can try it. We're small, we're, we don't have a big budget, so sure, we'll try it. Uh, and that's one of the key things to remember, is that if you're unwilling to try something that that you think will be, it may not work. But So you have to be willing to try something, recognizing that one of the key things in these guerrilla uh, meetings is may not work. I always, I always remind clients when they sort of say to me, uh, well, we really want something to go viral. I'm like, well, I, no one has control over that except uh, the moment. Uh, you know, like you can't plan on what a viral video looks like. Um, and, and, you know, you, you can see this actually from the other side. Peloton did not intend to have a viral video in 2020. Uh, and yet Peloton had a viral video in 2020 because they, fi- they filmed an ad uh, in which a woman looked scared about having to exercise all the time uh, because otherwise she would be displeasing her husband. Uh, I don't think that was Peloton's intention uh, to create that ad, but that was the ad that went viral for them uh, and was attacked. So you, you also have to be mindful uh, that, uh, you know, you don't, you don't get to be in control of, of viral Videos and and it is one of the things I always I always tell clients if they want a viral video, uh, you know, film your CEO uh, going headfirst down a ski hill, uh, you know, and popping up at the very end uh, in some sort of magical thing, uh, in which he then says, "Buy our product," uh, right? And that's that's how you get you make something ridiculous and that has a chance of going more viral. But otherwise, there's no such thing as a guarantee uh, on the internet.
0: Ideally while well, drinking cranberry juice and listening to Fleetwood Mac. Exactly, right,
1: right. exactly. But but um, but if you do that again, right, this is one of the other things, is that the number of, of copycat videos I have seen of that, and students have shown me copycat videos of that, instead of cranberry juice on uh, and listening to Dreams, right? It's somebody on a longboard drinking apple juice uh, or apple cranberry juice or a Mountain Dew Voltage, uh, you know, listening to... Uh, you know some other 1970s. I think I saw one where they were listening to Starships. We built this city. Um, oh, good choice. Like right, like I and I love We built this city, but like <laughs> that video's been done, uh, and you yeah. can never. There's no reason why that video went viral, and there's no reason why a similar video would ever go viral. So.
0: even less reason a similar video would go viral Um, there's one last example i want to talk about um, and it's one i bring up all the time in media training and maybe a slight counterpoint to your you know you can't control viral because i think if if you're the right kind of organization and um and you know what message you're trying to send uh kind kind of coming back to your original point um you can create those opportunities for yourself and um if you're ready um one of them that i enjoy talking about is um union local 613 a restaurant in ottawa and uh, twice they uh, were in the paper on the little viral stunts that they did. The first was when they rejected an ad, uh, rejected an award, I should say, from Air Canada's in-flight magazine um, because it was it was an award for new restaurants and the award was sponsored by Rickards Red. And they said, um, well, you know, we, we serve craft beer. We don't want to be associated with the big brewers. Uh, and I, I think they might have had a friendly connection at the Ottawa Citizen somewhere because um, I think it was a little bit weak, but on the other hand, who rejects an award, right? That is bound to garner some interest, especially a new restaurant uh, rejecting a national award like that. Um, and then the second one that got them uh, a bit of attention was uh, it was around pay equity and uh, treatment of women in the hospitality industry. And so they had a bunch of their male servers wearing high heels and skirts, I believe, for a day um, to kind of create some parody. And of course, the um, images and the the story itself again. At least the Ottawa Citizen, but I think it might have gone further than that as well. It was a pretty big, uh, big little stunt, shall we say.
1: Yeah. And, and again, this is, uh, y- you know, stunts. What I like about stunts is that uh, if the stunts are in keeping, again, this is why the planning part of it, I'll return to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I liked about those two things is that they were planned within the context of the, of the brand that they wanted to build. And it was mm-hmm. planned within the reputation that they wanted to have. So from my perspective, uh, it was re- Those two stunts fit within the within the, the brand that they wanted to build. What mm-hmm. wouldn't have fit uh, is that if the next year they had then decided, uh, you know, actually we do we do want to go get a Michelin star, or we or we want to move into a fine dining category, and we want to be evaluated the same way that others get evaluated. And that's where yeah. I think. Y- as long as you know your story and you know your brand and you know your uh, your feeling uh, pretty good uh, about what it is that you – how you want to be seen in your market, then I think that can work. But but don't then shift and expect that those those kinds of stunts that you did in the past are going to endear you with the Enroute of the world. That's the thing. If you burn your bridge with enroute that way – and enroute, I can tell you, felt burned by that – once you've burned that bridge, don't plan that that bridge is gonna get rebuilt. Um, so now, having said that, I did fly on a Porter flight after after they had rejected the en route thing, and Porter had a profile of Local 613 in their in-flight magazine in large part because they were the small guy against the small guy representing the small guy. So it worked from that perspective.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Headliner, the podcast. If you want to know more about how you can improve your organization's communication strategies, visit headlinerthebook.com. We'll see you next week.